Um, welcome everybody to today's um, MediaWorks Digital Masterclass. Um, I'll do, I'm going to start with introductions actually. Um, my name is Dave Norris. I'm the Performance Marketing Director at MediaWorks. I'll be hosting today's session, which is titled Marketing 101, uh, Three Steps to Digital uh, Demand Generation. Kate, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yeah, so hi, I'm Kate Mason and I'm a Senior Paid Search and Shopping Executive so mainly working on the Google Ads platform and Microsoft advertising, um, focusing on the search and shopping side of it. I'll come to you next, Tom. Hi, I'm Tom Patrick. I'm an SEO consultant. So we work across content, keyword research, and everything organic. Thanks, Tom. And finally, Adam. Uh, hi there, guys. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm one of the lead developers here at MediaWorks. Uh, and my role uh, primarily involves uh, the tech implementation of the website builds. So this could be anything from a application, a web portal, or an e-commerce site. So anything technical, really. Yeah, perfect. Cheers. So I think, you know, hopefully you've got a sense that the people we've invited to, to sort of engage in today's session are very much the people that are involved in running the campaigns that we run for various clients. But also, I think it's worth acknowledging sort of the breadth of the team that we've got involved. So, you know, we're not just focusing on one aspect of the funnel today. We're not focusing just on what's going on on site or what's driving the demand uh, that we need to see. We're focusing on that full funnel piece. So hopefully we've got some topics that that will sort of inspire or, or, or challenge your current thinking and, and hopefully inform you on ways to do things a bit differently or, or best practices. So the, the sort of description that we've got is around sort of building an effective and optimized lead generation funnel is critical in any commercial marketing team. In the digital world, this can be simplified into three key areas, building awareness by targeting the platforms where your audience hangs out, ensuring availability at the evaluation phase, and creating a web presence that converts clicks into customers. As you know, though, we've talked about this in previous masterclasses, the devil really is often in the detail. And I think for me, it's often about that how do we go about doing that? I think most people understand the concept of a, a funnel, but I think actually what we're going to touch on today is, is how you might go about doing that and things that you need to consider throughout that process. So, you know, for us, it's about developing and optimizing and integrated paid advertising, organic search and web presence, because um, we know this might be a challenge for some people out there. So in today's masterclass, well, we're going to focus on performance marketing, search engine optimization, web development, and we're going to approach this in quite a collective, holistic way. Um, what I would say is if you've got any questions throughout the session, then do just ask. You know, you can put in the chat um, and we'll obviously, from my perspective, I'll triage those questions and we can direct them in the right area as at an appropriate time. What we're also going to do today, which is slightly different um, for people who've been on a previous uh, digital masterclasses, We've also then got a, a, a green room that we're putting together at the end of this. So we're also going to have the opportunity for you to speak to us and ask us questions in a sort of 15-minute slot at the end of this session in a separate. And what we'll do is we'll share that with you close to the end of the session in the links area. If you're just dialing in for the masterclass and the podcast and you listen to this in catch-up, then again, by all means, just listen in and we'll take you through a series of questions. But, you know, I say enjoy. I think first up, and I'm going to come to you, Adam, on this, is we're starting right at the bottom of the funnel. We're starting right in terms of what's going on, in terms of the traffic that we see. I think from my perspective, we'd always advise our clients to start any project with sort of market orientation, understanding their current and future customers, 
Um, so we have three practical and hands-on members of the team here. Coming to you, Adam, first, how would you approach analysing customer behaviour from your perspective? Uh, in terms of analysing customer behaviour for any new website or digital product, I'll always recommend that you actually invest time in that phase of the project. Uh, it can always be really tempting that you just want to jump in with both feet and get something that's tangible and obviously something that you can demonstrate to multiple different key stakeholders of a project. Uh, but if not done correctly, uh, it can have a huge detrimental impact if you don't do that customer analysis stage correctly. And if done correctly, it can obviously have a huge uh, impact on obviously the conversion rate and obviously greater retention for users going forward. Uh, but however, though, if you are one of the key outputs of that user uh, analysis stage of a project, it's obviously the creation of user personas. Uh, so as a persona, so help organisations understand their potential and existing audiences in a more personal way. Uh, these personas can provide more detailed profile of a particular audience member uh, who represents a distinct user group. Uh, so this might be that they share similar behaviours, attributes, personalities, or even certain preferences. Uh, typically, personas are constructed by conduct of uh, qualitative and quantitative research. Uh, qualitative research will primarily help you understand uh, the un- to use underlying reasons, opinions, and motivations. So this tends to be carried out using uh, conducting user interviews, online surveys, and focus group discussions. Uh, how we normally intend to uh, get this sort of qualitative data internally is that we run immersion sessions with key stakeholders where we're not, we look to service a lot of this information. Uh, however, though, using Google Analytics can be a great tool to conduct some quantitative research, so where you want to get some sort of key metrics. Uh, so key reports that you might want to look at within Google Analytics is origin reports, uh, where you can segregate your users based on different attributes related to who they are. It might include things such as their age, their gender, their location, general uh, interest, and the devices that they use. Uh, acquisition reports can help illustrate how your audience uh, came to the website. Uh, and these reports can uh, include channel-wise contributions to the acquired traffic. Uh, behavioral reports can help you understand how you interact with your website. Uh, conversion reports comprised of goals, e-commerce, and multi-channel funnel reports can show you how a user progresses to, uh, towards transactions and goals that you set within Google Analytics. Uh, another great contributor to when you are creating personas is using obviously first-hand data that you use. So this might be some CRM data that you're using internally, or even existing e-commerce data. Yeah, I think for me, like to just come in there as a like. I always think like people underestimate that Google Analytics piece and the data that you can actually get from those plat- like platforms, and also the ability to sort of customize reports within that. I think, like so many people sort of rely on the the generic sort of automated uh, reports that we see, but when you actually sort of overlay overlay the information that you've got from other channels and you want to explore something, I think it can often be you know really useful to set up specific reports that are going to allow you to catch information that drives value. Um, so I think my, my advice on the back of what you said really is around people making sure that they're comfortable in, in Google Analytics, that they understand the main reports, but also that they spend the time in there to actually sort of build out their ideas and, and build out those customizable reports that can yeah. allow you to sort of populate and segment as you go through. Because I think that, as you, you rightly highlighted, like, Personas is definitely something that you might want to think about. Do I also want to look at things like conversion paths and, you know, whatever's happened along the customer journey, you know, what's um, been a, a primary t- 
cuts customer touch point, what's been a supporting customer touch point, et cetera. So I think that that to me is like super important. Definitely. I think on, on that on that vein then, Tom, I'm gonna to come to you and say sort of what is it what is it from your perspective in terms of things that you look at in terms of analyzing customer behavior from an organic search perspective? Yeah, so I think when we look at it from an SEO perspective, we try and take sort of a holistic view of it and try and understand the user journey from start to finish. Um, obviously, a big part of SEO is content. So we want to be producing content that appears at every stage of that journey. Um, so when we're, you know, when we're analyzing that behavior, we need to get a grasp of the type of questions people are searching for, whether they're searching for the product services, We'll also have to try and get a grasp of the transactional terms that they're using when they're in that sort of later stage of their journey. So what that means for us is it means we're building out a lot of, you know, keyword research, but it also involves, you know, a lot of reading around the business, the sector, if you're doing it for, you know, clients, if it's obviously internal, you're going to have that knowledge to hand. But um, I still do think reading around the sector and looking at competitor websites um, is really, really useful for understanding what users are trying to search for in their journey. Um, for, for the keyword research, when we're building it out, we'll use you know, lots and lots of different tools, some free, some paid. You know, we've got Google Keyword Planner, which is free, Search Console, which is free, paid side of things. You've got Ahrefs and uh, SEMrush and Moz. But to be honest, Google's just as good as anywhere else. I think you can go there, look at the top results and see what keywords they're utilizing. Google's obviously putting them at the top because they're sort of, you know, answering all the questions along that journey and providing the information that users need um, across that journey. So Google's just as good a place as anywhere to go for that information. Yeah, I think on that, on that, Tom, I think one of the things that I often think is, is from an internal perspective, like what I'd always recommend is, is that you do this on a sort of periodical basis as well, because I think that we know because for example we're part of an organization of 190 plus people like and i think that what we often see is is we get used to calling things a certain thing do you know what I mean and the industry might call it something else um you know especially in sort of dynamic industries so my, my advice there is, is is always around people in this space when they're doing keyword researches do it quite regularly because you might actually find that people are using different terminology or different words, et cetera, a search that you might not be ranking for because you might not be using that anywhere in, in your activity. Yeah, massively. I think it is, isn't one of those set and forget things. You can't just do it once and and just pretend that that's it and we're done for the year and, and we'll just move on because everything changes so fast, even user behavior and the types of uh, query length and things like that, they all change uh, month to month, never mind, you know, year to year. So making sure that you're staying on top of industry's trends and looking at the internal data that you've got from search consoles, see how those uh, you know queries are changing over time. Yeah, massively important to stay on top of that. I think like we see that like from a paid perspective, Kate, um, when sort of, it always astonishes me when we use things like broad match as to what people are actually searching for and what that, what that pulls into the, to the platform in terms of some of the search query results. And I know that we often sort of use search queries results page to then sort of build out their own sort of campaigns around particular keywords that we're seeing that are emerging. So what, what from your perspective, Kate, would you sort of recommend in terms of understanding that, that customer behaviour piece? Yeah, I think definitely what you've said there about obviously using broad match to, to build out um, sort of search terms that we might not have come across 
the course before I think especially with sort of the paid side of it seasonal trends are so important and like we've said you can't just sort of do research once and and leave it and especially to key parts of the year such as peak using um platforms such as google trends is something that i look at on a weekly basis to see what is actually um sort of peaking at this moment in time it could be an increase sort of week on week that if you didn't look at it sort of that often you wouldn't sort of notice um but again we use quite similar channels so keyword um like planner on google ads and alongside using all the external channels we obviously also use all of the data collected by the paid channels that we use on a daily basis so we sort of build that persona information across the platforms across like search and social to allow us to build out those audiences and understand them a lot better um again that's sort of like first party information very relevant to that exact um moment in time and that seasonality piece as well um one thing sort of going into more detail is when you set up campaigns you can sort of observe um audience types through google ads so as well as looking at um high converting keywords high traffic driving keywords you can also focus in specifically on audiences um, allowing us to collect data on sort of what's driving the most awareness, what's driving um, the highest conversions, the highest conversion rate through specific times of the year and use that either to go back to target those audiences or to build out that persona further than using sort of the, the generic external um, um, like persona creation reports, et cetera. Um, and then we can obviously layer these audiences to target further down the line. Yeah, I think like that's been one of the changes I've seen over the last couple of years from a, a search perspective in particular is how how audience specific it's now becoming. You know, it used to be incredibly keyword driven, but actually I think sort of from my perspective, I think Google is definitely trying to learn from what we're seeing in, for example, social platforms around audiences, segments, etc. And, you know, I, I can't believe I was going to do a whole segment without talking about PMAX, but I do feel like performance max is sort of that hybrid area where we do know it is built around those audience signals and getting that customer insight. And it is very, very audience, I guess, driven is the best way I would describe it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely something to focus on further um, in, in Google. And I think as well through the Google sort of pushing this broad match and this sort of going after a, a wider pool of people, we can use these audiences that are sort of that Tom's created personas for and across teams, we can then use these audiences to, yes, we're going to target generic keywords, but we're going to be very specific in the audiences that we're targeting. So we're not going after a wide pool of people that don't have this high intent. It's a wide pool of people, but very um, sort of targeted to make sure that those audiences are actually relevant to the keywords that we are sort of bidding on. Yeah, I think the target capability for me is like definitely being enhanced by the concept of audience-based targeting. I think like overlaying that with, with I should say, understanding intent and which keywords drive action has been massive. So Adam, I'm actually going to come back to you on, on this then. So a bit of a deeper dive in terms of, so we talked about sort of step one being understanding customers and how they behave. Like how would you advise a marketer to approach a web build uh, with this knowledge in hand? Because I think for me, like that's one of the questions we often, and get asked is like or what, what we often see is is websites are often built that seem quite disjointed from yeah. the rest of the customer journey and I think like we know that that's definitely not the way we approach things so like what would your advice guidance be in terms of a web build and how do you use that insight to, to build a website that's effective well I think once you know who your customers are and their different needs I think it's just essential to use those findings throughout the process that influences all your decisions 
uh, and also just review all of the outputs of the build process against those findings. Uh, one great way to ensure that sort of customer-centered approach is through journey mapping. Uh, so this can be a great visual output of the process, uh, how users go through different goals and scenarios on the website. Uh, its main aim is basically to provide a view of how users interact with the website and it helps identify any pain points or friction points throughout that journey. Uh, the map itself basically prove, uh, prove effectiveness of certain scenarios and different goals and expectations of that journey. So these journeys might include things such as a purchase journey on the e-commerce website, or even just a, an account registration on a subscription service. Uh, and then obviously, from a development perspective, once you have those journey maps, uh, you can help create uh, user stories, uh, which we use uh, internally from a development standpoint, which help identify features and functionality from a user-centered approach, uh, and helps identify helps you basically understand the different types of users, what they want and what they need. Uh, and then once you've sort of fleshed out all of those user stories for all those different areas of uh, functionality, it's probably key to use those findings to help build out that site structure. And again, using that alongside the research that in paid activity or your SEO findings, that can be key and helps you sort of put you on the right footing when you do different integrated marketing campaigns. Cool. So a question, just follow up on that, then, is sort of what is the difference between like customer journey uh, mapping versus mm -hmm. user journey mapping? So a user journey mapping is basically helps identify sort of their more of a top level understanding their pains and frustrations, while a user story is trying to drill down at a greater level of detail to translate that to a developer. So obviously, when you do have a, a website, a marketing website, uh, you do have multiple different stakeholders and it's sometimes certain items can get lost in translation or you can, what you'll find is that you might lose the a slight focus of what the actual main objectives are or the main use that you are looking to focus upon. And going down that user story approach can just help detail that to a developer so you can ensure that all the outputs are always user-centric. Yeah, no, that, that's really useful because I think like people sometimes often just think like, Customer journey mapping is is it during yeah. and build a website around that. So I think I say understanding that that more advanced element and understanding the user story is really really yeah. important. And I think as well it sort of feeds into sort of I'm going to come to you next Tom. It feeds into sort of that that content piece as well in terms of what content you want to produce and how you're speaking to your audience. Because like once we've architected and built the website and we've technically optimized it for search, we've done the technical foundations if you like. What would you then uh, do to approach sort of building out relevant organic search visibility? Yeah, so I think the first thing we would always want to look at is really just to try and get an understanding, a clear understanding of like the business goals. So we've got the user side of things that Adam's talked about, but really we also need to align the SEO strategy, what the business is trying to achieve. So what that could mean is are there certain services that you want to drive traffic towards and conversions of products, categories, um, and once we've got a clear understanding of that, the next stage is really making sure that we're clear on what search terms does that person or that company want to rank for. You know, we talked about it before in terms of keyword research always changing. If you're doing this sort of service as a service for another business, we need to probably understand industry specific terms. And obviously, if you're doing that in house, you need to get those down on paper and make sure that that's prioritized within within your uh, keyword research. Um, 
and the next stage is the keyword research and making just sure making sure we're really going into depth and getting all the search terms and their variations and then prioritizing by volume is is, is a thing that we do internally um that can sometimes throw a spanner in the work because there are some industries where volumes aren't particularly high you know if you're, you're selling a very niche product it might only mean 10 searches a month but those 10 searches might be very very valuable um well we obviously then if you've got a current website we would want to combine the keyword research that we've done with the keywords that you're already ranking for um and then really the end of it to ensure that we're you know building out that organic visibility and making sure we're we're heading in the right direction. We would always want to benchmark where the current website is, if, if there is one, and where it ranks for all the terms that we want it to rank for. A um, couple of reasons for that is that we want to see where we've made improvements over time, but also where we need to prioritize our attention early on in terms of growing out that content. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, we, we talked about, I know, previous conversations you and I have had, Thomas, around sort of understanding that, you know, you've touched on it at the beginning, sort of business and business goals, we talk about being a commercial first agency. Like for me, one of the key things in this area is always about understanding, not just prioritizing volume. You know, it's yeah. about also understanding value. So for example, we might have something that's super high volume, but actually might drive minimal revenue for our organization. You know, we do it with, for example, hotel clients that we have, where for example, an overnight stay is relatively low volume in comparison to wedding. Um, do you know what I mean? Or, or wedding bookings in a particular location. So I think like that for me is always plays a massive part in in understanding what to target, what content you want to produce. Almost place a value on on the activity that you're doing from an organic perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it goes back to what we were saying earlier on as well. Like appearing across the customer journey, you are you know organic traffic or traffic in general sometimes can be used as a bit of a vanity metric and, and it's like oh we're driving loads of traffic that's great but none of the traffic's relevant it's not converting it doesn't really matter what we're trying to do is you know as you say assign a value to the traffic we're driving so that means okay yes we'll produce content in the informational stage where there's questions just so we're at front of mind when it comes to the transactional uh, sort of period of that journey but it also means that we really do have to drive the transactional keyword research and that traffic that's at that end of the journey. So we can assign some commercial value to the work that's been done. Yeah, no, totally. And that provides like a useful segue sort of question I have for, for Kate, which is, you know, we talked about making sure that SEO can drive that informational search, et cetera. And, but then it's also focused on that, that further down the funnel, driving that transactional sort of search activity as well. Like from a, um, a paid marketing perspective, Kate, like how can we then think about like implementing sort of paid search alongside the organic activity, having a fantastic website already built to really start filling that that sales funnel? Yeah, That's, again, it's sort of the same. Like obviously the aim is always to fill that, that sales funnel across channel. And again, depending on the goals of that particular customer, um, we want to find the focus in that because obviously with paid, we are sort of, paying for, for sort of advertising in these areas and we do want to make sure that this is targeted and very relevant to what the, the customer needs. Um, so obviously from like more of a social side, we want to sort of push the awareness through that. Um, we can use these channels to target audiences like prospecting audiences if we want to go after new customers or obviously going after remarketing to um, sort of bring back in customers from if they've visited the site, um, 
purchased before, etc. Um, we can also use like lead generation through this to sort of collect customer information again to target them further down the funnel and just having that like cross funnel activity from like a paid search and sort of shopping side of it. We want to capture people at like the highest point of intent. So when they are searching for that product, we want to be there at their time of need, their, their time of intent. They are searching for that product. So they are in the market to sort of be targeted by these keywords. Um, so again, this is where targeting is key. Like going back to the point before on obviously going after these relevant keywords and making sure that the audiences are really focused within that. Um, and again, working with SEO to ensure that we're working with them to be shown for a paid ad if we're sort of not there organically yet or vice versa. We might not want to sort of cannibalize that the, the actions that we're taking on the SEO side of it um, with the paid search. So it's sort of working cross-channel to make sure that we are there for the products and services that we want to be appearing for, but we're not overspending on certain areas. Yeah, I'm going to throw in a controversial question here like to both you and Tom. Uh, uh, so like, forgive me on this one. Is is cannibalization a bad thing? Like I, I you know, I've had this recently where somebody was speaking to me about it, um, and I've sort of different opinions in sort of different sectors and in different spaces. So I just wanted to get sort of your opinion. I'm gonna I'm gonna let ladies first on this one, Tom. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Kate come, come first on this one. So what what are your thoughts on cannibalization? I think the first thing that comes to mind for me from like a paid side is brand. So again, there might be websites where we are appearing first organically. So then the, the client might not want to bid on brand because we're sort of appearing there. I think it's, again, might be a little bit biased from, from my side of it, but it's it comes in with competitor bidding as well. So often we, we've done um, sort of experiments or trials for a period of time where, yes, we're ranking first for brand, but when we actually stop bidding on brand and do analysis on organic, direct, et cetera, and what sort of revenue is picked up by that, we still see sort of a difference in that. So I think it's definitely um, dependent on what sort of the keywords that you're targeting or if it is a, a brand versus organic and um, like strategic thought. But um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Again, with especially with brand, you don't want competitors to be showing an ad. Even if you're appearing organically, those competitors are, are still above. And if you're not in that area, you're then going to lose out. So I think that's that's sort of what pops to mind when you ask me that question. I'll let Tom. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, like Tom, you've a bit got of healthy Tom. competition on that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think what Kate's just said there is pretty much spot on. I think it really does depend on you know what you're trying to achieve. There is the risk of if you you know if you're bidding on say brand keywords like Kate said there and we're appearing first for those brand keywords and then people are and there's no competitors bidding on it you know some people will just click the ad yeah. you know and then you know they might drop out so there could be some potentially wasted budget from the paid side but as Kate said you know if you don't you know appear there and have put an ad there your competitors could just jump in um, and, and sort of take over that you know position zero as it were um, and I think the other side of it potentially the other is that is it worth appearing more than once on the in, in the SERPs? You know, you're taking up more of that real estate. You know, capture you're appearing more than once. So, 
know that recall when it comes time to purchase is going to be you know a bit easier there's an argument there to be made the difficulty with that side is um you know relying on that it's quite hard to track recall <laughs> you know online so yeah. um, but it definitely does make a difference so i think there's a time and a place for it and i think from our side of view working with kate's team is you just have to keep an eye on budget spends on on both sides and trying to optimize it across both channels really yeah i think i think like for me sort of as a, a full service agency we do come up with this quite a lot and i know the teams work quite closely on this from a peer perspective and an organic perspective i think an interesting article i read recently is that um, they were suggesting that 40 percent of people now don't recognize an ad versus an organic ranking so i think like for me that was another key takeaway is that like the only way to guarantee yourself as being absolute top is from a peer is, is from a peer perspective however what i would say is is you're probably looking at organic clicks are going to come from the more educated sort of an informed online user because I think like for example we clearly understand the difference between an organic list and a paid ad so for me it's like there isn't a right or wrong answer and I, I'm yeah sorry to put you in that spot but I always think it's a good conversation to have like great conversation so I guess so we talked a bit there about best practice for integrating marketing campaigns and how you can help support the evaluation, close and retain your customers moving forward. Sort of what best practice advice have you got? And I'm going to again start with you, Adam. Like, you know, what best practices, advice and guidance have you got? I would also say the sort of invest in sort of behavioural analytics. So basically this can help you evaluate how the users are actually using your application, provide insight into possible conversion opportunities. So standard analytics platforms can be great, but can... The data that you can receive from there, such as page views, conversion rate, conversion rates, and bounce rates, uh, are sort of incomplete. So they'll obviously outline what's happening, but not why. So investment behavior analytics obviously allows you to keep track of how users are interacting with the application and sort of closing those gaps to reveal a picture of what happens to the website by identify ways to basically improve the overall user experience of what that website's like. Cool. Um, and then from, like, I, I guess, so we talk about improving and iterative processes, et cetera. Like, is that the same from a, an SEO perspective, Tom? Like, is that what we're talking about here? Sort of an iterative process rather than just being a standalone one-off? Yeah, I think so. Like, from our side, obviously, we want to work closely with both Adam's team and Kate's team. Um, and it is iterative. Um, you know, we might build out the website, um, using some keyword research that sort of provides a bit of site structure recommendation, pass it over to Adam's team who combine it with that, you know, the journey mapping and things like that. But you mentioned it earlier, David, that these things change over time. Um, Adam was talking about, you know, behavioral analytics, keeping an eye on those things and, and adapting them, uh, whether that is the keyword research or whether that is a site structure, um, I think is, is really important. You know, um, we touched on obviously there how paid and SEO can work together. And again, that that is a constant. Um, you know, if paid are changing the keywords that we're bidding on and things like that, I think it's important that we're constantly in communication and sharing data to make sure that we're just, we're, you know, really maximizing everyone's efforts across the team. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, you know, we did touch on that cannibalization point. And I, and I do think it's about so how all of these things do come together to provide that holistic customer experience. And I know Adam, you talked about it, but like for me, this is where things like 
you know, customer journey mapping, et cetera, plays an enormous part in understanding sort of where is the traffic coming from, what converts best, do we see, for example, better conversion rate from particular keywords or particular channels and understanding sort of the numerous touch points along the what Google defines as their messy middle of a customer journey, you know, the point between sort of transaction but also awareness. Like there's a multitude of approaches that people take along that way. I think Google's data suggests that it's anywhere between 50 and 500 sort of informational searches that people do dependent on complexity of product search. So it's not very, very rarely is it like a one-time hit, you know. So I think for me it's it's about understanding that that whole piece about the integration. Kate, come to you then finally, sort of what, what best practice advice and guidance would you give from yeah. your perspective? Yeah, um, just sort of going back on, on that point, like obviously what, all the teams sort of work together quite closely from our, our point of view, but definitely when for, for paid, especially just going into peak season, going into November, I think seasonality is like a huge thing. So obviously with SEO, you can sort of build build on that over sort of a long period of time, whereas with paid when there's seasonality peaks, for example, Black Friday is obviously coming up, Christmas is the gifting period, all of these things is sort of the we want to capture that intent as it comes through so with that it's sort of paid needs to be there in my opinion so when especially when you've got um sales and there's such high competition in the market at that time um that sale period was sort of paid needs to be be there um i think working with obviously like adam and his team the importance can really really be in the landing page so sort of google has ways of ranking our keywords and ranking our quality scores um, which can lead to higher ranking ads with cheaper cost per clicks for example so I think working alongside Adam and the way that his like the website's structured etc and then alongside SEO uh, ultimately allows us to lead to better performance um, and I think especially having the website broken down when we know the customer needs and sort of the priority areas to have the website structured correctly it allows me to push the correct customer who's searching for a specific product or service to a correct landing page where there is a CTA. Um, and with that, we can then obviously map their, their full journey through that and make sure that it all links links together all the way through and we're, we are sort of ensuring that that user is going to convert. Yeah, a follow-up question for me would be around retargeting, remarketing. You know, it often comes up particularly, you know, if, I always think, it, it, especially in sort of the B2B sales world, is you might be talking about really high value sort of customers um, for the product. And say, for example, we've seen somebody interact or engage. Like, what, what best practices have you seen, Kate, around that sort of retargeting piece, making sure that, that we are engaging with those people who have shown a propensity to engage with what we're doing? Yeah, I think through Google Analytics, there are so many different sort of audience segments that you can create and there can be like layer upon layer upon layer of sort of the the exact people that you do want to have as an audience segment, which then allows you to retarget them through whichever channel you see fit. I think, again, going back to the performance max side of it, um, there is a lot of um, importance in creating those audience signals within the performance max campaigns. And I think a big part of that is ensuring that you've got the remarketing audiences within there because with performance max obviously shows across all of Google's inventory, all of the channels, and it ensures that you can target people at these different touch points and these different um, points of their customer journey. Um, obviously, um, 
if they've been on a on a shopping ad or they've been on a search ad, you can go back with them through display, etc. So I think definitely going forward, we're seeing this remarketing piece become more and more important to sort of a paid strategy, a paid strategy altogether. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think for me, it's like the flexibility now that we're seeing within the particular channels. I mean, we focused today on, for example, you know, websites, we focused on organic, we focused on gen- generally paid search and shopping, I'd say. But I think for me, like, we can't underestimate the role of things like, you know, whether it be digital PR, whether it be um, sort of outreach activity that we're doing in, in the SEO space, um, whether it be um, things like, uh, programmatic activity, display-based activity from a paid perspective, affiliates, etc. I think, like, for me, it's about understanding, and hopefully we've touched on points today for, for the listeners that talk really about, about the need for that multi-channel approach. I think it's really easy to get really isolated in digital marketing. You know, and Adam's team go off and build a website that performs for a website perspective, and Tom goes and does, you know, technical SEO that's brilliant from a technical SEO perspective. I think that for me, it's the, the real challenge, the real art in what we do is where we make sure that the channels are performing in line with the other activity that we've got going on. And that that's the bit that really, for me, takes a real skill. And it's why, you know, always be challenging if you're working with an agency or if you're in-house around which aspects of what you're doing are focused on which areas of the funnel, if you like. Like, what are you expecting for that activity to do? Because, you know, if I'm saying, right, I want you to drive conversions, I wouldn't be saying, for example, go and do loads of display-based activity. I'd be saying, right, if you want to focus on conversions, lower down the funnel, you know, organic's going to be massive, paid search is going to be a a massive part of that. Um, Whereas, you know, in social space, we might be like, right, you can get loads of people aware of your organisation that we then know, go, go and search. So I think it's, from our perspective, it's, it's about understanding how all of these bits of the puzzle really fit together and understand also that your website's absolutely central to all of that because, you know, if we're driving traffic and we're amplifying the messages to a website that's not performing, it's not then meeting expectations, all you'll see is conversion rate will fall off the cliff and you'll find that actually the cost of your online market activity aren't what you need them to be. So I think it's about understanding how you can use the data from all of the channels to make sure that you've got that holistic campaign. So, yeah, hopefully that's been insightful for people. I always finish with with five takeaways. We always finish with five takeaways. So I've made some notes as we've, we've got through. Um, so if I can now read my own handwriting, we'll be on the winner. Right. Tip number one, I think from my perspective, is, is build user personas. You know, I think personas have became like, they were a trendy thing, then a non-trendy thing, and now they're back being on trend. It seems like everybody speaks about personas. But I think for me, it's about like not just building out basic personas. It's about, you know, what I've just talked on there is about pulling data from multiple channels to create a holistic view of customers and how they behave. You know, it's not okay to just say, oh, well, all users behave this way on search. They don't. Like, users behave differently. I behave very differently to my partner, to my nine-year-old son online, etc. So it's about understanding sort of how people operate online. And, and as I say, build out based around the data that you've got. So using all the data that's available. I think number two would be sort of keep insights under constant review. Don't treat this as like a cross-sectional piece where it's you've done it once, it's, it is what it is. Three years later, we're still using the same insights and relying on that. I think like we do use our own IP and some industry leading sort of quantum qualitative tools to analyze audiences. 
However, what I would say is there are free tools out there for everyone to get access to, you know, um, whether we're talking about Search Console, et cetera, there's, there's loads out there that we talked about. Google Analytics from a web perspective, understanding user paths and customer journeys, et cetera. I think for me, can't be, you know, overlooked. So do go and investigate sort of the insights that you can get from the various tools out there and make the most of them. You know, we use data to drive everything that we do. So, you know, and there's a reason that that gives you best in-class performance. Number three would be from a web build perspective, and I quite like this bit, Adam, was around understanding journey mapping and user journeys around the, the personas and audiences as you begin your web build project. So, you know, using the data that you've got around, how did people interact previously? But then also testing and learning as you go. So once you've then built the website, right, are people doing the things we expect them to do on a website? Not just going, we've built a great website, that's the end of it. You know, for me, it's like that under constant review, we understand that people's behaviours change, people's behaviours in terms of the user journeys change. Again, probably persona dependent as well. I think... Fourth would be understand business goals when considering SEO and actually I'd widen that out to anything um, digital. So, you know, some products terms are more valuable. So consider this alongside things like, you know, volume metrics. Um, you know, we do take into consideration volume, but we also take into consideration things like intent and converting keywords and where you're going to see the greatest value. And I think as a business, again, not all conversions are equal, so understand which conversions are more valuable and therefore what campaign you'd put in place to drive the high-value activity. Um, don't just go for an even distribution sort of approach. It's definitely not the way, way to go. And then I think, like, finally, don't rely on having a great website. Like, so many times I'll hear people say, well, we've got a great website, but I think for me it's be more granular than that. Like, understand have you got great, for example, landing pages? You know, like understand it. Uh, uh, we're driving loads of traffic to these landing pages that's probably non-homepage traffic, like especially the further down the funnel a person is. So, you know, optimize at a page level. You know, that's where you'll see your most impact. And then what I would say is use the tools to guide you on that. I know from a you know paid search perspective, we have the beauty of looking at things like quality score where Google will say that landing page scores zero to 10 essentially out of these areas. And therefore, you might actually need to work on that page because we can buy cheaper traffic if the content better. So I think, like, don't underestimate that would be my, my sort of final element. So be granular, really do it, engage with your content. I think all that's left to say from my perspective is, is one, thank you very much for attending today's Digital Masterclass, Ewa Media Works. We're back the same time next week.